for. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the first passage of scripture uh, that we just read, um, once again put in video form, but as Paul read to us just a moment ago, it talks about setting aside those things that slow us down and weigh us down from running the race the very best that we possibly can. Today I want to talk about modern family values. We're going to continue here, and what I want to try to focus on today is something, and I don't know, Paul, if I mentioned what I was thinking I was going to be preaching on. But it's very interesting that you called out the endurance that you needed to kind of keep going in the right direction. That's exactly what I want to talk about today. And I don't know if we had talked about it before or if it just came to you, but uh, I was appreciative of you sharing that and calling that out and shouting that particular part out. But let me just start off in this place, if you don't mind. We probably don't always realize it, but the truth is, is that we are constantly sowing a life. I want to say that one more time so you kind of know where I'm going here. We're constantly sowing a life, whatever it might be, positive, negative, and varying degrees of, you know, (laughs) I guess, wastefulness or whatever it might be, but we are constantly sowing a life. Every choice that we make is going to have some sort of payback or some sort of consequence back. And so what we have to do is we've got to be very careful that as we choose each day to sow a little bit and sow a little bit more, that we realize that we don't just reap back like that small amount that we've sown. It comes back, but it comes back with interest. It comes back with, um, as the word says, we sow the whirlwind, or pardon me, we sow the wind and we reap the whirlwind. In other words, it comes back in multiples to us. Let me just begin here so you can kind of understand what I'm saying. Let's go to this next slide here. Y'all know what that is? All right. Basically, you know what that is, right? That's wheat. That's wheat. But you realize that you sow wheat into a field. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there are people that sow wheat into a field and they sow it by the pound. But you don't get back a pound of wheat when you've sown in a pound of seed. You get back eight pounds of wheat for the one pound of seed that you have sown. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Y'all see where I'm heading with this? The truth is, is that whenever we sow a life, we gain back things that are exponentially paying us back. And um, I will tell you, there is something that my father has said to me multiple times, and it has always kind of... um, I was like, ah, he started saying it, and I'd be like, ah, no, 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 you're fine. No, 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 you know, no good, it's good, it's good, don't worry about it. But my dad would say to me, he would say, you kids make us look better than we were. And um, I'm very proud for that. I'm very proud for that because I think what my dad was saying is starting to resonate more and more and more with me that I know that there were a lot of failures for me as a dad, and I think he kind of felt that same way. But then God has been gracious, and God has been good, and he's plastered over the failures that I've had as a father, and my kids are wonderful people that I love and respect as people, not just as my kids. And I know and I realize that it was not, it was not just Shelly and I, it was in many ways things that were exponentially kind of going in that direction and then paid back. Do you guys understand? 
So what I'm trying to share with you is how important it is that we are very careful with the seeds that we sow because they don't just come back a pound sown, a pound coming back. It is a pound sown and then eight times the amount, you know, in the case of wheat and barley and things like that. So you have to realize that as we're pouring into our families, it will come back to us in spades. Let's keep moving here very quickly as we keep going. I've been sharing about the concept of grid, and we're not going to go back, but you can go back and look at the TED Talk that we've seen from Angela Duckworth. It's called Grit, and uh, it goes into the idea of being somebody who is stick to uh, has stick to and stays with the things that they are doing and trying to go for. But let me just share her own definition. She says that grit is passion and perseverance for long-term goals. One way to think about grit is to consider what grit isn't. It's not talent. It's not luck. It's not how intensely for just a moment you want something. Instead, grit is about having what some researchers call, and then it goes to the next slide, an ultimate concern, a goal that you care about so much that it organizes and gives meaning to almost everything you do. And grit is holding steadfast to that goal, even when you fall down, even when you screw up, even when progress towards that goal is halting or slow. It is your opportunity to keep moving forward in a good direction, even when it's hard. And I know, I've even shared this with all of you before, I've said, how many of you guys know that you're starting to get where you want to go, but it's hard. You've had fallbacks and setbacks and just flat out failures and going in the wrong direction and sometimes of just going so much slower than you anticipated. So all of this stuff is true and we have all dealt with that without a doubt. But let's talk very quickly about why it's important and how it can change your life in so many different areas. And I talk about this a lot and I hope that you guys are constantly kind of thinking through the idea of, uh, you're not just simply a spiritual being, you're a physical being, you're an intellectual being, you're a relational being. Um, Shelly and I are our own financial corporation. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're married, you know that part of your life together is the business that you have, you know, together, uh, the things that you're purchasing and all that stuff. And that all matters in the long term. So as we look at all those different things, how does grit benefit you and benefit me? Let's go to our next slide. It, it benefits us personally, uh, personal growth or spiritual growth, your professional life and the growth that you have there, your marriage. It, it, I, can, can I get an amen on that? I mean, can I get an amen that grit is needed in making a marriage work? Can I hear an amen for sure? Oh, is it, uh, okay. It's just me and Shelly. Y'all pray for me. All right, fine. Also, I'm going to talk about lying in just a second. Um, what about friendships? Stuff that just falls apart, not because you were really mad, but because you just drifted and not intentionally. Sometimes it's good to drift from people that kind of pull you in the wrong direction, but there are people that are friends of yours that you don't want to lose track of, but you do just because of life, right? What about health or physical goals? Or what about those financial goals that I mentioned? And here's a very, very interesting thing about financial goals, and I want to talk about this because this is something that matters to all of us. I don't think any of us really want to still be, you know, working nine to five jobs when we're 93 years old or whatever it is. We want to have the opportunity to be at least free to choose those things rather than have them chosen for us. Did you guys know that there's a lot of things that go into financial security, but most important is grit? I know this sounds crazy. It's endurance of doing the right thing over and over and over again. And you're like, no, 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 Randy, that's not true. I mean, it's about how much you make because the really rich people are the people who had a really high earning job. And if that's what you think, then you're sabotaging yourself. You're undercutting your own legs because here is the truth. 31% of the people that are millionaires actually ever earned in one single year over $100,000. Everybody else, the other, I mean, roughly 70% of millionaires never earned $100,000 a single year of their earning time. But you know what they did do? They did the practices, the small little practices over and over and over again. And you might think to yourself, well, well, actors and, and doctors and all of these different ones, they're the ones who financially get free. You know, they're the ones. But here's the funny thing. According to Ramsey Solutions, Dave Ramsey's company, he said, here's the number one through five 
the numbers of people and jobs that actually make it to that $1 million you know, kind of freedom mark or whatever it is. First is engineer. Second is accountant. Now get ready for the curveball. The third person that is most likely to become a millionaire is a teacher. Now, this is good news for me because Shelly is a teacher. Uh, so, Shelly, let's get with it. Let's go. Number four is management, and then number five is an attorney. Do you notice that there is no actor, there is no doctor? So what am I trying to say? What am I trying to push here? Why am I even sharing this stuff with you? Here's why I'm trying to share it with you. Because the truth is, is that we try to think that it is all about what we've been given, not what we do. And that way our life happens to us, not happens for us. But you listen to the passage of scripture that Paul just read, that book of Hebrews It was written to people that were struggling and facing some difficulties, but they were called and they were told, hey, put aside those things that push you in the wrong direction and instead keep on doing what you know to be right. Keep on enduring. And for you and for me, it's not about those things that we have coming into our lives. It's how we react and respond to them. And if we can get on the right path, and even when it's hard to stay on that path, we just determine that whatever happens, not getting off this path that I know God is going to bless. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm saying, right? Okay, so here's what we know. We know that this is where you can be benefited as you kind of grow grittier and grittier in your life. Let's go to our next slide and we'll keep moving here. Angela Duckworth explains her theory of achievement in two equations. You have to have talent and then you make that talent, you put a little bit of effort in and you develop a skill. Probably every single one of you at your job have developed some sort of skill. You had your talent, then you added a little bit of effort, and you put those two together, and you realize, hey, now I've got a marketable skill that people will pay me for, and I'll earn money, I'll support my family, et cetera, et cetera. But here we see this level of achievement, she says, but then you take skill and you multiply effort again, and now you are in a place where you're achieving something. But here's what I want to point out to you. Let's go to our next slide. Effort happens twice. Effort happens twice. In other words, you have to put in effort to your God-given talent to develop the skill. And then you have to take that skill and put it to effort again before you can actually achieve. She says this is very important. Now, let me just share this with you. We're talking about what to pass along, and how to do it. I want to talk a little bit today just straight to our young people that are here today. They're not in the back, but just straight to the young people in just a moment. But let me just share with you, if you never allow your children to be required to put an effort into anything, you are hurting them in the long run. Do you understand what I'm saying? If they ever feel like they're floundering and they want to do something, but they're not finding the right way to do it, and you step in and say, well, I don't want them to fail. The truth of the matter is, is that sometimes they need to fail so they can learn how to do it correctly. And I'm going to share something with you. The truth of the matter is, is that there comes a day well before you think it's coming that you will no longer be there to make sure that your kids are doing the right thing because you're not standing over their shoulder and saying, do this, don't do that. They're out there by themselves. The question is, are they ready to be out there by themselves because you have given them the chance to succeed and at times to fail? Because if they've not done that, then they will fail and there will be a difficult problem for them to overcome because they've not ever had to deal with that. A little bit of failure, a little bit of hard along the way, a little bit of harder effort than they want to give initially as they grow will help them eventually become self-sufficient and self-confident, some of the very important things for real-life skills. I just want y'all to know that that's thunder outside, not my stomach. Uh, I am a little hungry, um, but... I think we're going to get done before noon, so we're good. All right, let's keep going here, keep moving forward. And as we go, here is our big idea. People with grit don't quit. They endure and improve. And here's how that plays out. I want to talk about three ways that that plays out, and then we'll come back to this big idea, and you guys can say it with me in a minute. So let's go to our next slide. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. 
We know this to be true. And if you're here and you're young, you're like, wow, Pastor Randy, that sounds pretty cool. Truth be told, that's, that's an old saying from a bunch of old people, even old people in my view, which is really old, right? So tough times don't last, tough people do. How many of you guys remember that old saying, right? How many of you guys believe that old saying? Do y'all believe that old saying? I think so. I, I believe it. Because the truth is, is that every single... <laughs> Every single area of my life has happened at a different time. It's almost like this hopscotch where spiritually I'm doing good, but financially I'm struggling. Professionally, I'm hurting, but relationally I'm doing great. And it's just this like checkerboard pattern. And the thing is, is that it always seems like at least one area of my life is a struggle for me to move forward and get forward on. And so I have to just decide that I will not let one area of my life dictate my entire attitude towards life and towards everybody else. But you know people, and we've all been people at least once in our life, where we've struggled in one area and it's affected every area. Now, if you know somebody like that at least once in your life, can I get an amen? <laughs> all right, so now if you've been somebody like that at least once in your life, can I get an Amen. <laughs> Oh, okay, same number. All right, I was just wondering. So here's what we know. We know that circumstances and situations will never stay the same. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to bring up old bad memories, but my goodness. It seemed like everything was doing pretty good right before the pandemic hit, right? Uh, and then it hit and everything changed overnight. And it was just so wild to see everything that we thought was solid that changed literally I don't even know if overnight gives it the proper amount of credit. I'm going to say within three hours. Can I get a name? I mean, it's just like <laughs> three hours and everything's different in our world. So situations and circumstances will never stay the same. But if we can begin to develop endurance, if we can begin to develop endurance, we can thrive even when situations change. Now, here's what I want you to understand, and I want to just share this with you especially young, young people and teenagers, your situation that you're in right now is going to be different than it's going to be in a year or two or three. The thing that blew my mind is how many older people told me when I was graduating, back when the dinosaurs were still roaming the earth, right? Um, whenever I was talking about graduating, they're like, you're going to change everything whenever you graduate. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to keep the same friends. I'm going to keep the same people. I'm going to do all these things. And then I graduated, and everything that they said to me was 100% true. Isn't that true in your life, too? I mean, everything changed almost within just a span of weeks. And when that happened, I had to decide, well, what defines me? Is it the things outside me, or is it the things inside me? And here's where I want to talk with you guys in just a moment. We're going to come back to the big idea. But here, let this keep in your mind, young people, everything's going to change for you at different points in your life. Sometimes things that are happening outside, something, something that happens inside will do the same thing. But if you will develop some characteristics and endurance, you can thrive no matter what you face. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And then third, we know that life has many seasons and we also know that God is always working on us, for us, and through us. And so because of that, we take heart and we don't get too discouraged even when we don't see things moving in the same way that we want them to. All right, so let's go to our big idea one more time and we'll say it aloud together on the count of three. You guys ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. People with grit don't quit. Endure and improve. Let's talk about that for you young people. If I could just have, I know that you're your mind kind of gums and goes. Young people, if you guys could just work with me for just a quick second. I want to talk about something, and I, I thought it would be easiest if I made it like real, real simple and something that's a little memorable. Let's go to our next slide. All right. How many of you have ever heard of being a big fish in a small pond? Any of y'all ever heard that before? So that's a big fish in a small pond. But here's the deal. When you graduate or when you go from elementary school to middle school, you go from being a big fish in a small pond to being a medium-sized fish in a medium-sized pond, right? And then when you go to high school or you go to college, you become a small fish in a big pond. And this happens in every area of your life almost. And so 
I've decided and I want to share with you the really important thing that you need to hear here is not to worry about the size of the pond. It's this instead. Worry instead about the size of the fish. Worry about who you are on the inside. And worry about having characteristics that will sustain you if it's a big pond, medium-sized pond, or a, a little pond. It doesn't matter. You worry about what the fish is, then you can handle anything. Now, parents, let me talk to you for a second. If you see some things in your child that you know are not right, whether that's attitude or action, most parents will punish actions and never touch attitudes. Can I tell you something? You're doing it opposite because attitudes always affect actions. Actions don't always affect attitudes. So we've got to be very careful that if we want to develop something in our kids, if we want them to be a fish that thrives, small, medium, or large pond, or even huge ocean, whatever it is that they've got to face, if you've developed them in characteristics, staying power, in grit, and endurance, if they say, you know what, I can stay with this even with some setbacks, even though I'm hurting right now, I know I'm on the right path. Even though I don't know exactly where I'm headed, I know that I'm going going where God is pushing me towards. If you can put those things into your kids when they face these struggles and you're not there to put your hands on their shoulders and send them the right way, it is a blessing to be able to say, you know what, I know that they can do this because they're a big fish wherever they are. They're a person that can stand up. It's that person inside that keeps them going. You guys understand where I'm coming from there? So make sure that you're dealing with actions and attitudes in your child to make sure they're going in the right direction. Okay, I'm going to talk about this real personal real quick. So yesterday, I had my youngest daughter walk across the stage to receive her diploma from Oral Roberts University. Yesterday was... Um, uh, a graduation ceremony for Tatum. So Shelly looks at me and she goes, that's our last one. <laughs> and uh, I think we just kind of danced a little bit. We were like, ah, no more college bills. <laughs> um, and so anyway, all said and done, it was just funny because it felt a little bit like a finish line. And I'm just very grateful for the young ladies that, that have grown up in my house but it is intimidating. I'm not going to lie to you. I've got one that's seven hours away. I've got one that's eight hours away. And I've got one that's 18 hours away. And it's hard when you know that it's not easy to reach out and go and sit down with them and have a cup of coffee and look at them in the eye and convey to them what you want to convey to them. And you know what? Tim, you used to tell me this all the time. <laughs> uh, Tim Donahue used to tell me this all the time because we had time to work on this church together and uh, build this church together. And Tim would always tell me, how the kids doing? And I'd say, they're doing pretty good. And he's like, don't blink. He would always tell me, don't blink. And I don't think I blinked, <laughs> but they're gone. And it felt so much quicker than I ever realized. And I, I, I was even trying my very best to pay attention, and it still felt like they left too soon. And I'm looking at some of y'all that I married, and your kids are coming up on celebrating like that big milestone of graduating high school and stuff like that. And I don't feel like that should be happening either, but it, you know that kind of breaks me down a little bit going, my goodness, that's a long time. I know how it must feel for you. And it's shocking how quick they grow up and they have opportunities that take them away from your dinner table or your breakfast table. And when that happens, for good or for bad, you won't have the same level of influence. And I talk about this a lot because it's really important. Don't wait. And if I can steal one from you, Tim, don't blink. It's going to happen so quick. So take advantage of it make the most of it, and do something while you still have a chance. Make sure that the fish that you send out there, wherever they go, they're ready. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. 
Here's our something to learn. Let's go back to Hebrews and let's talk about Hebrews and how this fits in the idea of enduring and following the path that God has for us. Many scholars believe that the book of Hebrews is likely written to the early Christians of Jewish or also known as Hebrew descent that lived in Rome. And because of this, we see people who face trials of acceptance in a foreign land. They also face trials of enduring in a place that's hostile to the faith that they have embraced. So stop right there and think about this. Do you know what I'm saying right here? People are looking for acceptance and it's not always readily available. Our, our faith is becoming more and more of a difficulty in our modern world. And we're getting more pushback than we've ever gotten before. And so these things that he says in this book of Hebrews chapter 12 to this group of Hebrews living in Rome likely, they're, they're, they're matching exactly what we face. And they would later deal with the severe destruction of their homeland. And what that means is in about 70 AD, Jerusalem, their homeland that they still cared about, still loved, was destroyed by the Roman Empire. It was what they call raised. It was basically just like bulldozed to nothing but stones. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew chapter 24 and, verse 20, chapter 24 and 25 when he says, do you see all of this incredible temple? It's all going to be thrown down. And so it all happens, but it has not yet happened. In other words, Hebrews is written to people who are about to face trials, but they don't know they're coming. I'm going to say that again. Hebrews is written to people that they're about to face trials, but they don't know they're coming. Again, I say to you, again, I remind you, we did not know on March 10th or 11th of 2020 what was happening on March 14th of 2020, but it was too late to do the work when we started getting the reports. It was too late to find our refuge and stand strong. We'd already done all the work and the storm had hit. Do you guys understand where I'm coming from? And so here's what I want to say. I think for all of us, one of the things that the pandemic did for us is it revealed the anchor that we had or did not have. And what our anchor was. Not what we wanted it to be. Not what we said it was. But what it actually was. Now I'm not trying to poke at you guys. Because I'm going to tell you something. Pandemic was rough on me. It was hard on me. And I had to look at some things that I thought were <laughs> accessories. That turned out to be anchors. And it didn't make me happy. Didn't make me proud. As a preacher, I was supposed to know better. Like I said, y'all pray for me, right? Because I'm still just like you and you're just like me. Sometimes we are shown that we're missing those things that we thought we had in place. But here's what I do know. They did not know what they were about to face. But guess who did? The writer of the scriptures who was being moved by God's hand. And as he wrote the scriptures, he said, be ready to endure. God knew what was coming. He laid it on the scripture writer's heart. And it happened a few years later, but he was telling them, get ready now because you do not know what the future will hold. Let's go to our next slide and just read kind of an example here as we go on. This is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 4. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppositions from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You know what? They would. It hadn't happened when it was being written, but it was coming. The same people that were living in the same city where Paul was crucified, I mean, pardon me, Peter was crucified upside down, where Paul was beheaded by Nero, that's where they were living. And he was telling, you haven't resisted yet to blood, but it was coming. And God was warning them, don't be caught by surprise. Be ready before the storm hits. And for you and for me, as we are looking for our kids and as they move forward and young people, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. No matter who you are, be ready because things change in your life. And as they change, 
You want to be ready no matter what it is. And that begins by fortifying the inward part and not worrying nearly so much about the outward part of your life. Let's go to our next slide. Grit depends on a different kind of hope. It rests on the expectation that our own efforts can improve our future. I have a feeling that tomorrow will be better is different from I resolve to make tomorrow better. How many of you guys hear the difference? So if you can teach your children to say, I'm going to take up all of the things that I need to do to make sure that tomorrow is better, more committed to doing what God has for me and not just simply those things that are going to come my way and I kind of have to react to them, make them something, uh, make them someone who says something's going to happen tomorrow and I'm going to affect it with everything that I've got. It will change the path for them. As we go to our next slide here, back in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, for they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In other words, in other words, you're going to go through some things that God is going to allow into your life, and it will be a growth opportunity. It is going to be a growth opportunity. Now, I want to sit down here for just a quick second. How many of you know that the thing that has changed you the most is not your successes, but your hardships and your failures? Can I see your hands? I mean, that's true, right? The thing that changed us the most was not when we planned it out and it went perfect. It was the thing that we did not expect that blindsided us, but taught us lessons that kept us from having that same thing happen again. Sometimes, we don't realize that God is preparing us for something great later when we're going through something hard now. I'm going to say that one more time. We don't realize sometimes that God is preparing us for something great later when we're going through something hard right now. Now. What do your kids think? What do your grandkids think? Do they think that every hardship, that every difficulty is because they did something wrong? I don't know. I mean, I'm asking you because you need to know what your kids think. Because if they think that the world simply happens around them and there's nothing that they can do to change it, there's a problem. Because that's not true. If they think that if they get it just right, that the world will never hurt them, that's not true either. The middle ground is something that will allow them to go through real life because real life is real messy all the time and we can't make it do what we want it to do. Even when we follow God, we face difficulties. Even when we do the right thing, sometimes it doesn't pay off by doing the right kind of payback for us. But sometimes we get stuff that we did not work for and did not deserve and that's called grace. But we can't always worry about the things that are going on out there. And we can't always say, if I get it perfect, that's why we got this control thing going on, because that doesn't work either. So ultimately, the question is, what is God doing in us first? And then changing how we're growing with the things that we're going to face. You guys understand where I'm coming from there? This is important because your grandkids will have a philosophy they will have a philosophy that might not be something that you know, well, it might be something that you know is not accurate or really true. Your kids might have that same philosophy, and if you never have a chance to pour into them, they may struggle all of their lives with that faulty philosophy. <laughs> and it sounds good usually. It sounds like a good idea on like Facebook and Twitter and, uh, and for them, IG, Snapchat, things like that. And it sounds good, but it's faulty and not true. So you have to have the chance to pour into them. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. All right, so let me ask a question. How many of you guys here have ever had that conversation with your parents after you got a little older and you thank them for being too hard on you? Can I get an amen? Is there anybody? Yeah. What are we doing here? I mean, what? 
you never would have thought that. You never would have, I know that I've had conversations with my parents. I, I was frustrated as I could be when I was a teenager and then later realized what they were doing and what they were developing in me. My parents made me pay for half of my car. I thought that was terrible. I thought that was awful, you know? They also made me do other things, you know? I'll go, I won't go into it because I don't want to like say this and that and kind of push you away from identifying, but I was like, no, there are other kids that I know that probably have less money than we do, but their parents bought their car. And so I was frustrated. And now I'm grateful. Why? Because it taught me the value of dollars that's helped me later. And I was grateful. And uh, my parents were great parents. My parents were truly great parents. And I was truly a pain to deal with when I was a kid. I know that's shocking to you guys. <laughs> Biggest laugh I've gotten in a week. All right, fine. Let's keep moving here uh, as we move on to how can we build endurance. I talked about these things a couple weeks ago. The first is find a hard thing that you like and get to work becoming great at it. And then I put on the end there, get 1% better week by week. And I just talked about this real quickly Young people, there are a lot of things out there that tell you that the really gifted people that are doing great things are people who just have it together and they just came into this like talent that they've got. Most of the time, that's not true at all. Not true at all. They've been working at it for a long, long time. How many of you guys know about the bands that are overnight successes that have been working for decades? It, the list is long. My girl that sings up here, Karen Baldwin, I'm going to throw her straight under the bus right now. I asked her, I was like, you always look like you're just chill. And she's like, ah, no, she's like, I'm a duck on a pond. She said, on the upside, it looks like I'm just smooth paddling, but underneath, I'm just churning like crazy. So yeah. Somebody talented, going through difficulties, it happens all the time, never makes the social media, never does. And so you think that it just happens, but no, it's usually hard work, long hours, lots of failures, and then them getting a little bit better and a little bit better, and not giving up when it's just a little bit better this week than it was last and understand that frustrations of failures and boredoms are a necessary part. And then I'll just throw this in for this week for the first time. Let's go to our next slide. Understand that small achievements are where every single big achievement starts. Nobody gets anywhere without starting small and probably making a lot of failures and mistakes from the very beginning. Young people, I encourage you, don't be afraid to fail. You don't have to live your life in front of everybody. I feel for you. I know that I have said in a joke <laughs> with tons of truth behind it that I'm so grateful that I did not grow up when there was social media so I could catch every single mistake and dumb thing that I did when I was young and your age on something that would never go away. And I, I feel for you. I'm not even trying to be funny. I feel for you because it's scary stuff that that stuff stays with you and follows you around. That's why you guys are dealing with stress that we didn't have to deal with when, you were, when we were younger. So I, I want you to know, like, I'm, I feel you. I understand that that's tough, and it's hard. And I just would say that don't compare yourselves to these people that want to pretend that everything that they've done just happened to them super easy, because most of the time, that's not true. If you're over 40, can I get an amen? I mean... Man, aren't you glad that you didn't grow up with social media catching your everything? Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> All right. Okay, now I sound so old. I'm going to keep moving here. All right, let's go to our next slide very quickly. So yesterday at Tatum's graduation, the governor of Oklahoma spoke, and this is what he said. God never calls his followers to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. Work is going to be required no matter what you build in your life that is worthwhile. Now, God will take that work and bless it, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in exponential ways, and that's between you and God. But I'll tell you this, 
if you're not willing to work, it probably won't happen. Because they call them miracles when they're way, way, way out of the normal way of doing things. And for most of us as Christians, if it feels like work, we want to make it an, ad, uh, an item of prayer and nothing about rolling up our sleeves and getting busy. And I'm just here to tell you for most of us, God will provide us the shovel and he'll even show us where to start digging. But he will require most of us a little bit of effort to dig whenever we're doing something in our life. All right, let's keep moving here very quickly. We're growing towards the end. So what do we pass along? We pass along grit and that mindset of being a lifelong learner and then the mindset of doing and enduring. I think that grit and enduring kind of diverge in this way. Grit is the mindset that you have and enduring is the action that you take and keep on taking even when it's hard. You guys understand the difference? We've been told in our world, don't work harder, work. Sometimes it just takes hard work and you don't have to be that smart to do it. You just gotta do it. And people get ahead every single day, not by working smarter, but by working harder. I bet it's happened in your life. I bet a lot of you have advanced in your, uh, in your professional career, not because you were working smarter, but because you were just working harder than the other people, and you started getting ahead. It's not just that, but it's hardly ever without that. Does that make sense? Let's keep moving. So this is what we pass along. How do we pass it along this 30,000 foot view. This is some stuff we've already talked about. You teach the power of compounding interest in every area of our life, 1% better, and the power of small wins. You don't have to become a, an expert of something overnight, but make a little bit of a progress each and every day and each and every week, and you'll be amazed at how quick you can do some important things. And then secondly, remind them that fear is not forever and failure is never final unless you choose it to be. That's that 4F principle. And then finally, do it constantly. Endure. Stay with it. As we listen to this passage of Scripture from Hebrews, we heard the very beginning and it said, you're running a race and there are a lot of things that can weigh you down. Let's lay everything that weighs us down aside so that we can run with endurance the race that God has set before us, fixing our eyes on the author and the pioneer of our faith, the guy who has called us to the path, Jesus Christ, who walked that path first for us and did things that he did not want to do, went through hard times so that we might have a better life. It's crazy how applicable this is for us, whether it's in our own life, whether it's in the life of our children, our grandchildren, or whoever it might be. The truth is, is for us, as we move down that path, we fix our eyes on Jesus and we do what he did, give all to those things that are important. All right, so very quickly, let's go to our next slide here. Angela Duckworth, one more quote from her. Nobody wants to show you the hours and hours of becoming. They'd rather show you the highlights of what they've already become. As I get older and as I get, <laughs> I don't know, just maybe a little more insight as each year of life passes, I realize that when I was young, I compared myself to people that were probably just like me when I was young, but they were now older and they had time to get this stuff under control and out of their life. And they were starting to reap the benefits of living the right kind of life and making the right kind of choices followed by more good choices. And as you do that, you're amazed at the way that the compound interest starts paying you back. And I see that more and more as I look at those people that I thought were heroes. They weren't heroes. They were just smart enough to figure out if I can put one small win, 
and follow it with another small win and do another thing that I know to be right and then follow that same path that God is calling me on and leading me down. If I keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, suddenly a lot of the junk starts falling away. And even when the storms do hit, they don't have the same effect because I've got a different level of strength. I'm a bigger fish in that pond that God has called me to. It's incredible what they know that I'm now reminded of. I didn't think of it in that way. I thought they were heroes who had it all figured out and they were amazing people when they were young. (laughs) There's benefit to getting old. I mean, there's a lot of downside, trust me. I mean, you can't even open your communion cup for yourself. It's bad sometimes. But when that does happen, you're reminded that there are trade-offs in life. And the more and more and more good decisions that you put past the, another good decision, it starts to pay you back. And I just encourage you, the best time to start is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. <laughs> Have you all ever heard that about a tree? Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time is today. Well, the best time to follow God's path in your life, 20 years ago. And if you can't do that 20 years ago, then let's start today. So how do you apply this message? Real quickly, just talk about this, and it's a little bit of a a new and a little bit of an old. So we begin to win, first of all, in our mind and with small actions. This is where the endurance starts kicking in. Small actions and small achievements. And then secondly, we sow seeds in others as often as you can because there is no true success if you're doing it just for you and just by yourself. So we sow seeds to make sure that we're on the right path. At least we can see the right path where we are. And we begin to win in our mind and start with small actions. Let's talk about it. Go to our next slide real quickly. You take one step and you take step one, not looking to get to step 10. Because the truth is, is it can be absolutely overwhelming when you look at how many steps there are to doing something great in and with your life. When you're developing that skill, when you're trying to achieve something great, it is very difficult if you worry and concentrate on all the steps. You have to focus instead on step number one. And then the second one here, put in a name. Write in a name in your mind. Right now, see yourself writing in a name of a person who you know. You can sow a seed in their life this week and do that. Make that something that happens. All right, so I want to share this with you as we close. And I'm going to go ahead and ask Naeen, if he doesn't mind, to go ahead and come and play as we kind of close this down. I'm going to share this with you. This next slide here, I shared with you a couple weeks ago before Peter was here. And by the way, what an incredible blessing it was to have Peter with us. I hope you guys will text him if you've got his number or if you need his number to thank him for being here. Let me know and I'll get it to you. But two weeks ago... Lincoln's famous failures, this is so important and so powerful to think of what he went through and what he decided that he would endure before he became a success. But I'm not going to share this again, just let you know if you missed it, there's some good stuff here. But let me ask you guys this question. Before you go to the next slide, I'm going to ask you guys to raise your hand if you recognize this symbol. All right, let's go to this next slide. Raise your hand if you recognize this symbol. Okay, almost every single one of you raised your hand, and some of you were just not paying attention, and I get that, okay. But what is that? On the count of three, that is what? One, two, three? Mickey Mouse. Yeah, well, how many of you know Walt Disney's story? If you don't know Walt Disney's story, his story, just like Lincoln's, is the story of endurance. And I won't go into all of it, But he had a dream, he had an idea, and he had a vision. He had a little cartoon guy that he called Steamboat Willie, who eventually morphed into what we now know as that symbol we saw, Mickey Mouse. There was a place in California and eventually a place in Orlando, Florida, Walt Walt Disney Land and then Walt Disney World. And you probably would not know where Orlando, Florida was had it not been for Walt Disney World because it changed the entire city in that way you guys see it Forbes wrote this just I think 2019 did you know that Walt Disney was rejected 300 times for Mickey Mouse and his theme park 
You see, he wanted to achieve something great, but he did not have the money. What he needed to do was find somebody to partner with. And so he asked someone, and he asked someone, and he asked someone, and he asked someone. And I'm not going to do it 300 times, but I want you to really put yourself in his Mickey Mouse slippers for just a minute, okay? Imagine 10 times. I think that would have been a lot (laughs) to take. I mean, that's a lot of rejection to take on. What about 25? What about 50 or 80 or 150 or 180? I mean, you would not have said one thing to him about him getting in there and enduring if he would have quit after 250 times that he pitched it and got rejected. Can you imagine if he, at 299, just said, you know what, it just ain't going to happen. I've asked everybody that I know. I, I don't know where that kind of supernatural and superhuman endurance comes from, but I know it has to come from inside and be inspired by someone outside. I believe with all my heart what God has called us as Christians to do is not something that we have within us alone. It is something that supernaturally is being called out when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And faith is the evidence, as Peter shared last week, faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not yet seen. It took some incredible vision for Walt Disney to say 300 times is not going to deter me from being somebody who gets his dream accomplished. Whoever you are, whatever God has laid on your heart and is leading you to do, find the path and keep moving forward and don't let anything stop you especially when you're trying to pour into the lives of your kids and your grandkids. It's the most important work in the world. Don't miss it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we had to share together. And Lord, we praise you and glorify you. Ask that your name would be praised as we, your children, endure as you lead and direct us in the life that you've called us to lead. We love you, Lord, and we ask that those who are even now, making a decision to pour into the lives of others, that they would be encouraged, that they would be challenged, and that they would fix their eyes on you and what you're doing in their life. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody together said, amen. Guys, thank you so much. I realize I went a little bit long. Thank you for the extra time and your attention. As always, it's an honor and a privilege to share the word of God with you. I hope that you will have a great week as you go. And don't forget to get just a little bit better at following God's path for you this week. And we're going to end the way that we always do. And you guys can say it right along with me. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Love you guys. Y'all have a great week.